Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm a little banged up. I crashed into the boards at my hockey practice. Ooh. Yeah. But uh, other than that, uh, the pain quickly receded because I, I left for hockey practice at the end of the second period. And when I got, by the time I got to the dressing room, someone told me, we're talking about this 8-3 game. And I couldn't figure out what they were talking about. And then they told me, and I was very, very happy. Just a huge win by the Oilers, Bruce. Absolutely massive. And Bruce, I've been pretty bullish, and you have been pretty bullish on this team for a long time. And it, and it seemed to me, you know, like, just seemed like things were coming together for this team. Um, with everyone getting healthy, with Caleb Jones really stepping up significantly with Clefbaum out and uh, showing his quality. And, um, and you know, finally Yamamoto getting back in the lineup, the acquisition of Ennis and Athanasiu. This team, it just started to feel like, to me, like a powerhouse team. Like, this is, this is the best Oilers team, I think, maybe, since the 1990s teams. 1980s, 1990 team. And um, that's saying a lot, because a, a team went to the Stanley Cup final in 2006. But this team, Bruce, is more skilled than that team and um, more explosive. And if they can get some goaltending, this team could go far. They've got some real talent on this team. So this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's a 8-3 Oilers win, Bruce, we're going to go with with, with uh, 16 good things each. So just, yeah, just, we had a, just two we good had things a, each. We had a regular listener suggest we do eight good things each, one for each goal. <laughs> I think two each will suffice. I think we'll cover the, the main items. What's your first good thing? Uh, well, I'm going to go with uh, uh, I'm going to go with Connor McDavid mm-hmm. and his five point night. It's hard to imagine playing scoring five points and playing second fiddle. Um, but uh, McDavid was uh, um, a huge contributor to this win, setting up uh, four Oilers goals and scoring the game winner himself on his only shot of the night, according to Kurt's uh, uh, game grades, and that was correct. One shot on net, and it went in the net through traffic, just a seeing-eye wrist shot, and it was just at the point, like, he passed, 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 passed about four times in a row on that shift, and he cuts across the slot, and I'm thinking, shoot, and just uh, the thought crosses my mind, he lets fly, Rene never sees it, boom, in the net, and that just opened the floodgates. But uh, he had, you know, he had things going on with uh, with his line, uh, and also, of course, he had uh, um, a little bit of time with Leon Dreisaitl at the end of two Oilers penalty kills. They put them out for one shift right after the penalty to get them both right back in the game. And on one of those shifts, they actually scored on a pass from uh, McDavid to Dreisaitl. And then, of course, they also got their 10 seconds together on their uh, on the Oilers' annual power play. <laughs> that uh, they got one per game, and and uh, this one lasted all of 10 seconds before the puck found the net. And this one, I th- I got the right one. It was McDavid to Drysaddle to McDavid to Drysaddle and in. Maybe that was the first one. Anyway, yeah. they had the puck on a string between the two of them, and uh, uh, he was. Uh, McDavid was flying out there, though, and, and uh, 
uh, and making things ha happen. He, he drilled one rocket off the post from, from distance and just, you know, a constant threat, just a, a constant offensive threat that's uh, capable of producing a goal out of nothing in a very short period of time. And then oh, that, in fact, that happened goal. a couple of times. I love that goal that McDavid scored, the, uh, the, goal. the winning goal. Mm -hmm. I love that goal because it's mm -hmm. one of those cheap-ass goals that other teams regularly get against the Edmonton Oilers, right? Just throw it at the net, and it goes in. And I just love it when the Oilers get one like that because it seems like for every three or four that the other guys get, we get one. And maybe we don't have that play enough in our repertoire. Since Caleb Jones has come on the blue line, we're getting it a little bit more because he really throws the puck at the net like that constantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, to have McDavid do that, and beautiful screen by Josh Archibald. Yep. <laughs> it really was. Big and uh, he's not a big man, you're right. Oh. But he blocks six foot five. Koskinen often gets blocked on those shots too, screened. And uh, anyway. he's in the crouch, right? And, and uh, anyway, uh, Archibald knows where to go, and he's absolutely fearless. And he did throw the perfect screen on that. And uh, McDavid read it, and he just chose the exact right moment to sift one in there and it was good hard accurate shot boom nothing but net Bruce my uh, first good thing is the Dave Tippett's timeout and this okay. came right after um, two quick goals by the Nashville Predators I think what were they you know 15 14 seconds. seconds yeah so coaches in the NHL like if you watch I, I've watched a ton of basketball college basketball NBA oh, not yeah. anymore but I used to watch a ton of it I loved it and they're they're always using the tactical timeout, right? It's just it's part of the game, like, and it's a and it's a big like, did the coach use the timeout at the right moment? But NHL coaches, I just seem so stupid about it. Like honestly, they never do the tactical timeout, except or they rarely do it. You know, to to change the momentum of the game, they rarely call that timeout. But Tippett mm -hmm. did it tonight, and it actually worked. Bruce, the Oilers had the next five or what do they have here? Let me just find it. The next four Grade A scoring chances after that. Um, the next, actually the next one, two, three, four, five, and the fifth was a goal. Okay. So Tippett's timeout changed the momentum and good move by the coach. And I, and I don't know why they don't do it more often, but they don't. Well, maybe it's unlike basketball. They don't give each coach 50 timeouts a game. <laughs> they only get three. <laughs> only get one. Oh, only three, eh? Well, man. I think they get three and a half. Anytime I watch basketball, there's three each in the last minute. <laughs> yeah, they do get a yeah. lot. Nonetheless, like, what are the, I guess, is there some, like, do you, do you need your timeout to call uh, some kind of goal review in the NHL? What not, is there any? Not anymore. Now the penalty, instead of taking your timeout, which was something borrowed from football and totally inappropriate to hockey, Instead of charging a timeout, they now charge a delay of game penalty to a team that asks for a video yeah. review like and that. loses the challenge. It's a way better rule. It's like it's actually, uh, it's actually the appropriate call, and it's not borrowed from other sports. It's a delay of game is a penalty you only really see in hockey, um, but um, uh, it. It, it it really has amped up the risk so you don't have these coaches saying, I'll just keep my time out for the whole game. And anytime there's a sort of borderline iffy call, I'll use it on a challenge. They have to risk making a challenge, losing it, then having a power play uh, go against them. And, you know, the NHL, there's a thing on the NHL site today from the GM meetings 
boasting about how their rule changes are working. And one of the rule changes was how was how they plan to get a reduction of coaches' challenges. Well, here's an idea how to reduce them. Get rid of the down offside challenge altogether. But that's a topic for another day. But uh, what they have done and and it has worked is uh, this. Uh, uh, this penalty charge and you know one of the re reasons that works so well is one of the very first times that that rule got called into effect uh, was a game where a coach challenged a tying goal in the 59th minute of the third of the, you know third period lost the challenge so tying goal stood the other team scored got a power play and scored on the power play before the end of the regulation and they walked away with nothing and you can bet 29 other coaches around the NHL are looking at that and going hmm that's bad. Maybe we better be sure before we uh, issue our challenges. Yeah. So well, has, it, was, it, it has it worked. Bound to happen because you, you got to be sure. And they usually are. They usually do get it right when they call it. Not always, though. You know, I. But I wonder <clears throat> how many the times coaches do you think get it right in the and the war room or the refs with their little iPads get it wrong. You know, I yeah. mean, it's, it's still a bit of a risk. I don't know, though, how many times I've seen a coach use a timeout to, to change the momentum of a game, like with Oilers coaches, maybe maybe a couple times. So I, th I think they should regularly do that. Dallas I don't know Aikens. what they're waiting for. Yeah, and good for Dallas Aikens. If he, if he did it, it's a good play. And I think it was one of the turning points in this game. Um, so I give Dave Tippett a lot of credit for that. Bruce, what is your second good thing? Uh, I'm going to... Uh... Sing the praises again for maybe the third time in the last few weeks, but this is a really good news overall. Adam Larson has just turned the corner. He's playing so, so much better than he's been playing for about the last two years. It's like he's a new man out there. Uh, it certainly helps that uh, they've combined him with a partner who really, really complements his skill set in uh, Caleb Jones. Uh, but Larson, he's skating more freely. He's getting two pucks he's getting those pucks to safe places he's getting those pucks to teammates and then he's joining the rush and i'm not thrilled with how he plays in the offensive zone like sometimes he just sort of goes lumbering around and does a big, <laughs> big circle of the zone with no apparent objective in mind but his play in the defensive zone and the neutral zone and he's getting pucks towards net you know <clears throat> and tonight's game for example i mean adam larson he played uh, 25 minutes and 8 seconds. He led the team in shifts. He was plus 2. 5 shot attempts, 3 on goal. 5 hits, 2 takeaways, 2 block shots. Nothing negative on his thing. Like no no penalties, no giveaways, no, you know, just, uh, uh, just a, a rock-solid game from big number 6. And I noticed him throughout. Like, the, he passed the eye test. And then you look at the numbers and go, oh, yeah, they show the same thing. He played well. And he was a rock at the blue line for Edmonton tonight. Yeah. This was the Adam Larson, I think, that we all kind of expected in the Taylor Hall trade. Like, this player that we yeah. saw tonight. This is uh, and we've seen for the last month, frankly. Mm -hmm. This is the guy we thought we were getting. Mm -hmm. We didn't get him for a couple of years, mainly because of injury, possibly, or, you know, for whatever reason, we don't know. His, he dad, didn't play uh, that his dad died, I think, right in front of him, and, and he was badly shaken by that. You know, he doesn't talk about it, but uh, but Could things be. went sideways for him right around that time. Plus, he had injuries, and, and he had the back thing and so on. Anyway, all that, for whatever reason, 2020, once the calendar changed, 
uh, he has changed much for the better and, and uh, much to the relief of Oilers fans that we're starting to wonder about his future here. Well, the guy that well, played yeah. tonight can play for my team for another 10 years. Well, he's gone from being something that a lot of people, including me, were speculating, you know, maybe they have to trade this guy because mm-hmm. they, they're not going to be able to keep him in the expansion draft to, to where today I'm starting to think, hmm, maybe they keep four defensemen now and four forwards. You never know, right? Like, it, that, that may be where they're at. If, if Larson keeps playing like this, Bruce, I mean, he's, he's playing fantastic hockey. He's mm-hmm. just, he's really killing it right now. And it's interesting because, you, you know, you, you brought up Caleb Jones as his partner, you know, being a, a good fit. You'd think Clefbaum would be the same yeah. kind of fit, but Jones is a bit more active in terms of skating. He's a bit more of a water bug out there uh, going here, there, and everywhere. And maybe that, just that a little bit more um, skating with the puck that Jones does, um, a bit more active, um, is a big help to Larson. I, d- I don't know about that, but... Uh, I mean, there's Clefbaum certainly can move the puck well, but he he isn't quite he doesn't quite move as fast as Jones. I don't believe. I think they've scaled back the matchups a little bit for Larson with Jones with Clefbaum. They were facing the toughs, and now it seems like it's Bear and Nurse's job to take on the toughs. Mm. And Larson and and Jones are, you know, they're 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 getting their time. But I I I, I would suggest that with with Jones, Larson is facing. Uh, a lesser caliber of competition than he was with Clefbaum. So that's probably part of it. It's possible, Bruce, although I know I checked the puck IQ about a month ago, uh, quality mm-hmm. competition, and Nurse and Bear led the way. And it, they were, you know, right. a little bit ahead of Clefbaum, yeah. you know. So, but maybe that could be part of it as well. <clears throat> My second good thing, Bruce, is the play of the dynamite line tonight. Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins. And um, they scored two even strength goals that were kind of mind blowing. They were so wonderful. Uh, the third goal, where uh, Drysaddle won the puck, I think he put it to Nuge, and Nuge threaded it to Yamamoto down low, who put it in. That was just such a that was fan freaking tastic. And of and then the I guess it's the fifth goal. Um, oh, that's the one where again. Uh, Yamamoto gets the puck and puts it back to dry, back pass to dry oh, settle who slams it in. Nugent Hopkins, I, he, he just is playing Bruce with, I haven't seen Nugent Hopkins play like this in years. He ever. is playing with such ever with such excitement in his, in his game. He is jumping out there. He mm-hmm. is predatory out there. And I've never seen that before. He is so keen on the attack and so determined on the attack. Um, it's fantastic. And, and I was, this is what I always hoped to see with Ryan Nugent Hopkins with the Oilers, that, that he, he would show his true value. You, you can see he's got this game, uh, this incredible skill set, vision, passing, mm-hmm. good shooting, and it's finally coming together, and it's wonderful to see. And, and of course, Drysaddle with four goals, and, you know, he looks like he, he may be on his way to 50 again, and, and Yamamoto is such a f- fantastic player, so... Yeah, the dynamite line, Bruce. That that it's a treat. We we are we we get this incredible treat. We've had it now for two months, and it's just continuing on. It doesn't look like it's going away. And if they don't get hurt, it's not. Now I guess we should mention Leon in there somewhere yeah. tonight. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Kurt, Kurt gave him a Four ten. Goals. Kurt gave him a ten. <laughs> well, that power play goal, eh? Oh, 10 second power play. <laughs> Boom. 
I love that. I've, I've been watching that play all, all year, and they've been they, they've they've come close a bunch of times. I think this is the first time they've actually connected on that. Yeah, exact play where Drysaddle stands facing away from the net towards Connor, takes it on his backhand, wheels and fires. And of course tonight everything was going through Pecorine, who had a very very tough night in net for uh, for Nashville, but. Um, uh, Leon, with that quick release, he overpowers a lot of very good NHL goalies, of which Pecorino has been one for a very long time now. And uh, he just uh, uh, finds uh, finds holes. Uh, as for Nugent Hopkins, he's got now 36 points in his last 25 games. Like, that's phenomenal. That's like almost 120-point season rate scoring like Good way that's way game. way out of body experience for him but as we both know he's been saddled with tough line mates and tough competition the brutal combination for uh for the last uh, number of years and uh now How he's been put on the wing on on line with two other creative players and you can just tell he's loving it out there yes you mentioned how many minutes with Milan Lucic did he play in those last few oh. years, man? Come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, Annis is looking really good, too, with McDavid, eh? Like, that, that, that line, I, that, those two guys are working together pretty well, and they're going to find a third guy. It'll be Archibald or Cassian or maybe Athanasiu, and we'll see how that goes. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Well, you just mentioned you. And this is a specific on the 2-2 goal, where the Oilers have just given up a goal, like literally seconds before. And the puck goes to him in the defensive corner, and he's got support players behind him, in front of him. Ethan Bear peels off along the end boards for the simple outlet around the wall. And he just kind of freezes there, and then he fumbles it away, and turns it over and there's a pass in front and there's nobody left in front to cover because nurses want, I mean, it's not all on him. This goal isn't all on him. Uh, nurses wandered away from the net front and Bear has gone into the passing zone and winds up being one easy pass, beats three Oilers to a guy all alone in front and he slams it home. And you're thinking, well, 2-1 didn't last long, did it? It's 2-2 now. And I saw that and I thought, that's how you get to be minus 45 in <laughs> <Yes>. Detroit. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, like just, just kind of a brain cramp. Eat, eat the puck, make the simple play, make a strong play, you know, just do do something, do something positive. And that just wasn't any of those things. It was just a weak turnover under a little bit of pressure and bam. And just he like all... giving away. Oh. Yeah. He had all kinds of time, Bruce. Mm-hmm. He had all kinds of time. And all he had to do was make the simple pass to, to Bear. Bear did, that's not on Bear. He did the right, like, he, you have full possession of the puck. Bear's peeling off to get the pass. Athanasio mm-hmm. just makes the simple pass, and it's out. Mm-hmm. But he had a brain cramp, and he didn't. And and I don't even know if Nurse, I, I in my initial scoring of it, I give Nurse a little bit of the blame. Like, he could have he could have moved towards the net. He could have maybe got a stick in the way of the pass if he had been a little bit more alert. He did seem a little bit, you know, off on the play, but really that's mainly, you know, it's one of those turnovers. It's just turnover, bang, it's in the net. Like, it's really yeah. just the one guy as much as anything. Yeah. Bruce, my my uh, bad things, and brain cramp by a number of players on the third goal, 
And I, I think nurse actually was the biggest culprit. Um, <laughs> it's arguable. I mean, Ennis, you know, the problem came was, so Archibald's in the corner and he, he allows a, a pass out to the high slot, to the face, to the uh, high slot area. And the, no one covers the Nashville shooter in the high slot. So there was two people who could have. Nurse should have been reading the play. Mm-hmm. It happened. It developed fairly fast, but Nurse could have been moving out there at least. He just was standing there. You know, he's in what I call, what I de- this is I developed this name during the during the Yanni Pitkin era of the orders, the red light zone. And mm-hmm. that's when a defenseman is standing there, not covering anyone, not covering off a passing lane in or the defensive zone. Lane. Or a shooting lane. What are you doing? Well, you're in the red light zone and a goal is coming soon. And bam, it did. So that's where Darnell Nurse was. Um, I mean, Tyler Ennis might have moved over to the high slot to cover the shooter as well. And then <laughs> Ethan Bear, who I have a bit more sympathy for on the play. Because Roman Yossi comes and jams the net. And, and Nashville's outnumbering them down there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Bear is so focused on Yossi, who then moves out back to the point, that Bear moves with them and didn't see the uh, eventual goal scorer creeping in behind him. So mm-hmm. that was a tough play on Bears because he's focused on Yossi and he loses track of the other guy. Um, and there's also a, a shot coming in. A lot's happening at that moment. So I'm not sure how uh, responsible Bear is. You know, it wasn't, he didn't look good, but it was a tougher play for him. He floated away from the net front. Nurse never was at the net front. It was a second straight goal against where that parent was out there where the goal scorer was all by his lonesome right in front of the goalie. And that's not a sight you like to see at any time. Now, in their defense, I'll say that uh, um, Ethan Bear wound up the night plus three because he was on the ice for five Oiler goals in addition to the two against. And Nurse was on for four Oiler goals and actually got three points in this game. So they, you know, it wasn't all bad, but those uh, those two goals were uh, uh, were not pretty to watch from an Oilers perspective. Uh, yeah, three uh, three for the W, which means win. All uh, right, Bruce, what is your numero? Oh man, uh, well I think I'm going to go with five minutes and thirteen seconds, which is how long it took Oilers to score five goals. I guess it's the fourth fastest in team history. Uh, possibly even the third fastest because two of them were against the Leafs in the same game and I think they were overlapping goals. Uh, this is in 1985, right? I mean, the old days, the boys used to put up a bunch of goals fast on a regular basis, but five is a lot of goals. And uh, to get them in, you know, basically five minutes. Like, uh, you stepped out to your hockey practice after the second period and I started scoring the scoring chances. Well, the first five scoring chances for Edmonton all wound up in the net. That <laughs> was great. Uh, bam, bam, bam. I mean, the camera couldn't even keep up with them. I mean, there was one goal scored where they were showing uh, poor old Chris Russell limping to the bench after taking another one for the team. And while he's, well, by the time they swing back to the front of the net, there's uh, Yamamoto and Drysaddle right in front and, and Leon poking another one home. And they were just finding holes in the net minder with every shot, but they were setting up good shots and making good shots. Like those were snipes. Several of those goals were were Uh absolute pure snipes. So, so I'm going to go with, uh, with five thirteen as my uh, number. There's a few other numbers. Games like this always have nice numbers, but I'll, I'll stick with that one. Five thirteen. Yep. The series of joy for Mm -hmm. Oiler fans on that one. Bruce, my number is 
Let me just get it again. 1.62. That is Leon Dreisaitl's points per game. Wow. That's 107 points in 66 games. Connor McDavid is at 1.57. Uh, but uh, Dreisaitl's at 1.62. And the significance of that, and I've this is the highest I think he's been this season, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it's the highest number in the NHL in 20 years since Mary Lemieux wow. had 1.77 in 2000. Uh, Lemieux had 76 points in 43 games in one of his kind of injury truncated seasons. Yeah. yeah, that he, he played at the uh, end. And so that is an MVP season, Bruce. He's going to win the MVP, Leon Dreisaitl is, if he doesn't get oh. hurt here. He's going to win the MVP, and that's amazing. The, the Edmonton Oilers have two players. We'll have... Uh, if he does, let's. Well, I'll still say if, but two yeah. MVP players on their team, on the same team, and 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 not cheap MVP awards like maybe some players win now and then, but the real, you know, just killer MVP players here. I well, he's sure he's sure making his case, you know, and I know that some of the underlying uh, numbers uh, suggest that. Uh, <clears throat> He's not as good as his scoring numbers are, but those scoring numbers are so overwhelming. And you know what? I'm not sure the underlying numbers take into account the big plays and big moments in the game that uh, this guy's been consistently delivering in the crunch. And here's the other number I was thinking about using, but it does apply to yours, so I'm going to use it anyway. Leon Dreisaitl has been the first star in nine of the last 18 Edmonton Oilers games. Right, this is two teams, 38 players, and he's been the first star in half of the games since January 14th, uh, and that includes three, all three games against Nashville in which he scored eight goals, was first star in all of those games, and basically was instrumental in beating the Preds all three times, and uh, and six other games beside, and another game where I thought he was the first star, but they gave him second star behind Yamamoto, you know, and it's it's just been uh, mind-boggling how regularly he's been, uh, if not the show, certainly a very big part of the show and a big part of the reason for the Oilers' success. I, so that's, yeah. that's just, I don't think Gretzky, you know, you'd have to look hard to find 9 out of 18 for Gretzky. Like, that's hard to do, man. Well, you know, tonight tonight they were going in against Nashville, you know, and they have Craig mm-hmm. Smith, you know, Craig Smith, <laughs> who evolving wild, uh, says okay. was a, is a better player than Leon Dreisaitl this year. So, yeah. uh, the, you know, this this is the statistical well, analysis, and I think have... Leon Dreisaitl is just wait till they play the Abs, and he's going to give the Nikushkin's team a shit kicking too, because <laughs> I think Leon's got his dander up about the. Uh, Nikushkin well, Craig maybe Smith they stuff. motivate him, and that's a good thing. And <laughs> and maybe they were using data that was from, you know, a, a while back, because certainly he's done nothing in the last two weeks but uh, uh, make a stronger case for himself that uh, uh, that he's, um, uh, he's the man. I guess Down Goes Brown had an article in The Athletic today that I haven't read yet, but I'm going to really want to, where he concluded that, Dreisaitl may not be the best player even on his own team, but he deserves the MVP. So that should that should be a fun read. And uh, uh, well, Sean, if Connor hadn't Sean missed, McIndoe, yeah, down goes Brown. If Dreisaitl hadn't missed, the, or excuse me, if McDavid hadn't missed those six games, mm-hmm. and the owners hadn't done uh, reasonably well in those six games, 
this whole dry saddle for MVP movement wouldn't have happened, right? The, he, they, it, there was too strong a narrative that this is a one-man team and all of dry saddle's success is due to McDavid. Like, you know, this has just been pounded home by Eastern writers for on and on and on. This is McDavid, 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 McDavid. And finally, you know, McDavid went out and dry settled, went on a tear. And he's been on a tear with the dynamite line for two months now. So both those things combined um, is giving him, he's got to be the favorite now. And I noticed for the first time um, a Vegas odds, I don't know if they're like bet online. I don't know where they're from, but they had him as the, he, he and McDavid were tied. Um, for the odds to win the Hart Trophy. So um, Dry Settles moved from not even being on the list of like 10 players to being uh, tied with McDavid at the, at the top. Um, yeah, pretty good year. Pretty good year. All right, Bruce, let's maybe let's leave it there. Okay, we'll be back we'll tomorrow night. right back at her tomorrow night in Dallas. Boy, it's a short turnaround for the boys going from Nashville to, to Lone Star State, but... Uh, uh, back to work, and hopefully they can stay uh, hot and get on a roll. They're starting to really show some uh, some supreme confidence out there, and that's uh, that's a good sign. Yes, yeah, it really is. Well, again, Bruce, a, a pleasure again to talk to you tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>